are what he describes as characteristics of kingdom people. If you say that I'm, a, I'm following the kingdom of God, these will be evident in our life. It's sort of like the fruit of the Spirit. These are characteristics that God develops in you. This should show as fruit or evidence that you are a kingdom person. So when it says, blessed are, blessed are uh, those, and so we, we already talked about blessed are the poor in spirit. We talked about um, that. Um, and also, let's get to them. I'm going to find them again. Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bible open there in Matthew chapter 5, starting in the very beginning, chapter uh, 5, verse 3. Blessed are the mourn, those who mourn. And I talked about that last week. About mourning is more than just about grieving someone, that, a loved one that lost. Uh, even though it encompasses that, it's talking about those will be comforted, those who mourn. And what, it, what I brought out in that, it's really a, a recognition of our sin. We're mourning over our sinful state and being repentant about that. Turning to God and he's going to comfort us with that. So that's really what the essence of what Jesus is describing with mourning. And this week we're talking about blessed are merciful for they will be shown mercy or the meek. Uh, no, excuse me. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. That's what we're going to be covering today about meekness. And what does all that mean? What is a, it's not a common word that we necessarily talk about in our, our world, but what is meekness? But again, these beatitudes are, you may say, a, a lens or what we see things through, what, we, what the kingdom of God is seen through these different characteristics that Jesus is describing. And it's, uh, what is the kingdom? The kingdom of God represents when we allow him to rule in our lives, when we allow his lordship in our lives, when we say, uh, will you be on the throne of my heart? Will you rule and will you take leadership in my life and be in control is what it really represents. Uh, not just a, uh, a king on earth or a castle or a government, but really his kingdom is so much bigger than just what's here on earth. It's really an invisible kingdom. So like the Beatitudes, many approach these uh, teachings of Jesus just as another... Uh, it's not just another form of the law that we're supposed to abide by. We're not just supposed to follow another rule and regulations. It's not really what Jesus is trying to show us in this. But we have to understand the difference of what, God, what Jesus is teaching in here from law versus grace. That first and foremost, we need to know uh, that Jesus fulfilled all the requirements of the law for our justification, for our sin. That is important for us to know, that we're not just under the law anymore, but we are under grace. Do you understand that? But you also have to understand that um, about grace, about God's grace, it doesn't uh, nullify us from obeying the commands of God still. He said the law is still not, is not null and void. The law is still very much applicable in our life. In the sense, but not for our justification of our sin. Because none of us can keep the whole law to make ourselves righteous before God. None of us can do that. And that's what Jesus came to fulfill for us. I came to live the sinless life and die on the cross for you to pay for your sin. 
yours and my sins so that we might be justified, so that we might be forgiven. However, if those people say, no, I don't want to receive that free gift that you offered to me, uh, then it actually talks about in Scripture that we will be judged. We will all be judged according to the law of God. We will still stand before God someday and give an account before God according to the law. The thing about believers is that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sin. He paid for that part. Does it mean we still have to live for God once we are saved and believe? Yes, of course. We're still accountable even for our words, our actions. We're still going to give an account before God for those things in our life and how we lived for him. Now, if someone chooses to reject Christ, we're going to be judged by all the requirements of the law. If you think that you're okay with that, you think you're okay with standing before God and trying to give an account and trying to live a good life and uh, reject Christ, then you're going to be accountable for all the requirements of the law for your sin. But it says in James chapter 2, verse 10, it says, whoever keeps the whole law, so if you think you're doing really pretty good following the law, keeps the whole law, yet stumbles at one thing, you're guilty at breaking it all. How many are how many are pretty good at that right now? Anyone? Anyone's uh, doing really good at that? <laughs> well, I'm glad that I I don't have to worry about that for my salvation, but rather it still keeps me accountable. It still keeps me mindful. Yes, the commandments of God are important. Now, grace is different from the law in that the favor uh, comes favor of God comes before the obedience, and that's good. Under grace. The commandments of the Lord come fully equipped with his ability and his power to perform them. He gives you grace so that you can uh, do what he asks you to do, so that you can live your life. That's the grace of God. God gives us his grace every single day to make it through the day. Really, do you believe that? His grace is enough for you to make it through every single day. He's given you everything you need for uh, for godliness, to live a godly life. Thank you for that, Lord. Sometimes when I stress and when I don't believe that, when I, a sense, in a sense, set that aside because I'm so consumed with my, what's going on in my life or my, my needs right now that I can just say, your grace is not enough for me, God. I am so stressed and consumed by what I'm going through that I just don't truly believe that you love me and care about me and you will take care of me. So in a sense, it's not that God's grace isn't enough for you. It's that we don't believe it and so we don't apply it, right? His grace is enough for us every day, even if it doesn't go according to what we would like at the moment. But uh, God gives us grace every day. Now, grace does not give us less responsibility. It actually even gives us more responsibility. It should, we should see it that way. Grace doesn't mean that I just take everything for granted or I, I, I live a careless life, but rather it gives me more responsibility and hopefully more gratitude at the same time. Thank you, God, that you've given me what I have today. Thank you for everything you blessed me with, so much more that I can see that. Not just merely trying to keep all the requirements of law, but going, God, you give me so much grace and power every day that I don't deserve. Have you ever just had that realization? Have you ever just said, wow, 
I can't believe what you've done in my life. And sometimes it's going through struggles and trials that we start to see that more. We start to be thankful more for the blessings that he gives us or for our health when we're healthy. Thank you, God, for my health right now. So much more. Or we can also become bitter. Some people just become more and more bitter because we can't see that. And God's trying to always point us to himself. I want to read uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, just as uh, an example of, of grace. And it says, chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Christ Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his goodness. And through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by its evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness brotherly kindness love if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our lord jesus christ but if anyone does not have them he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins so really what peter is describing here is just a a, a good explanation of living in God's grace and his goodness. Um, how does that reflect in our lives? How should it show in our lives? So those are some things about grace that I just want to point out in there. Now if you just uh, if you're not there yet, turn to Matthew chapter 5 and uh, these beatitudes again. I want to read through them once again, all of the eight of them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Lord God, I just ask that you will speak through your word to each of our hearts today, that we may receive what you want to speak to us, Lord, what you want us personally to hear and apply to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just look down in verse 5 again, and this is, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, if you're like me, I have always understood the word meekness or meek, um, and it can, for many, it can be taken wrong in, uh, in the world. But when you hear the word meekness, what do you think of? Meekness means what? Weakness. You know, they, they think of being weak. It's like uh, being, uh, many people think it rhymes with weakness and it reminds them of being quiet, timid, uh, non-assertive, non passive, if you will. Uh, spineless, milk toast, whatever people can think of meekness as being. I don't want to be just known as a meek person, but Jesus is obviously pointing out something here that's important for us to see. Uh, 
People don't like the idea of meekness. But what did Jesus mean by that? What is he talking about? Meekness is not weakness, but it's actually uh, important to understand. Meekness means strength, having strength but under control. Strength but under control. That is... uh, a description of what meekness is, and I want to try to explain it. Another way of putting it is uh, gentleness of strength. You know someone that's really strong, a really strong person, but can be like a, you know, it can look kind of scary, but when you get to know them, they're just a big teddy bear. Have you ever met someone like that? They're just like, you're not so tough. I mean, you are tough. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to, uh, yeah, please, don't, don't hurt me. But uh, at the same time, once I got to know you, you're actually a really kind-hearted person. You're gentle, man. Um, that's kind of the picture I get in this. They're having, they do have strength when they need it. It's like a gentle giant. You know, it's just like, uh, don't wake the sleeping giant, if you will. Because actually, they are very strong. But they've learned to come under control. They have a lot of meekness about them. Now, in other translations, in the Greek word uh, praus, P-R-A-U-S, it's uh, translated, uh, meekness is also uh, gentleness. And so in other scriptures, that same word is used, uh, one being Matthew chapter 11, a common scripture we're familiar with, Verse 11, this is when Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, or I am meek, and I am humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many have fallen back on that scripture a few times in your, in your walk with Christ? You know, just always being reminded, thank you, God, you keep calling to me. Especially in when I'm stressed, you keep reaching back to me and say, will you let me handle that? Will you let me take that? I want to show you that I will take care of it. Again, just the emphasis on grace. I am gentle. Jesus is describing himself as being meek and humble. And uh, those two characteristics, those two words are often linked together, such as what Paul wrote to the Ephesians in chapter 4, verse 2. He said this, Be completely humble and gentle. Again, just be completely humble and gentle in showing meekness in your life. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. He also wrote in Colossians chapter 3, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness, humility and gentleness and patience. So again, gentleness, same word is used to describe meekness. Jesus said, blessed are the happy. Uh, Another word for blessed, another way to describe the Beatitudes, blessed means happy. Happy are those that are meek. Happy are the gentle. It it isn't a word, uh, um, a weak word, but rather it's having that strength when you need it. You know, there's ways to show strength, and you don't have to... You don't have to raise your voice. You don't have to uh, get angry to show strength, right? I've, see, I, I've respected people that actually 
are confronting an issue and they're not angry. They don't have to get angry. Have you ever been a boss before and, and uh, had to correct somebody? And, you know, you got your emotions before what you should have said and, and you, you react in anger. You react poorly. Maybe you just being a parent with your own kids or, or with someone else. You react in anger. You didn't, you lost it, in other words. I lost it. I, I lost I lost it, and I said things I shouldn't have said, or I did things I didn't want to do. But meekness is having that God-given self-control, a meekness about, I can be firm. I can see something um, in a corrective way, but in a loving way, too, at the same time. Does that make sense? And I could walk away going, you know what? I knew, I knew he loved me, and yet he also corrected me at the same time. He also showed me that I was in error, and I, and I appreciated the way they went about that. That was strength under control. That was a meekness rather than losing it, right? It's easy to lose it. It's easy just to vent. It's easy to get, you know, get out the, what you feel, but that's not always meekness, for sure. So a gentle person knows his limitations. I know how to limit my words. I, need, I know how to not lose control of that. So when we have an accurate and honest assessment of ourselves of, and how that affects how we approach others, uh, this really contradicts the way the world does things or the way the world thinks, which advocates standing up for your rights and asserting yourself in order to get your, your point across or your piece of the pie or your whatever you're trying to get across. Um, but meekness, Je- Jesus is talking about, is not weakness. It's not even, it's not even cowardness, but rather it's having that strength. But really under God's control, thank God he's given me the ability to just sometimes walk away, right? That's a strength too. It's just like, get away, go run, just get away from the situation. Don't entertain that gossip. Don't entertain that conversation. Just walk away. That's a, that can be a, a meekness too. Uh, but meekness, you might say, is also a harnessing of power or strength. What do we think of when we're harnessing power? You could think of like the dam here that we have. They're harnessing the, the, the water flow and it's generating power going through the, the turbines and, and creating power. So they're harnessing uh, God-given uh, water to create power. Same thing with windmills or same thing with other things in our, our world that harness some of this power. So God gives us power and we learn to become a harness of that. We become, uh, we, we become you know, a dam or wind, windmill. So <laughs> whatever you want to call it. But we need to be able to, uh, in some way, Take some of that power and be able to use it for God, for God's glory. Now, in the vocabulary of ancient Greek, um, 
the meek person was not someone that was passive or wasn't someone that was just easily pushed around. Um, but the main idea of the word meek was having this strength, like a, an, and you might say it's someone that is out of control. We, we, we know, uh, we can probably all think of someone, but I, I like to think of it kind of like a, a wild horse, a wild stallion, you know, that hasn't been broken yet. One that they, they might try to um, break, come to that point of brokenness so that that can actually domesticate them, so they can actually use them for something. And, um, and so this wild stallion has to go through this uh, time of training and, and brokenness of learning to trust, of not just being unbridled, not just being wild anymore in that sense, but is now coming under submission. Is it now having to learn uh, to, har- uh, to be harnessed, if you will? They're not just wild to do anything anymore, but when we become Christians, when we c- com- uh, come into our walk with Christ, where we lived a wild life at one time, if you did, if that's your, uh, your past, where you lived a wild life, and now you're trying to learn how to come under the leadership and under the kingdom of God and let him control your life, it can be a change, can it? It can be a, a, a dramatic change. I, 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 it's not that you have to do all these things to come to God. Sometimes we get that wrong. We say, you know, you need to get rid of all these things in order to come to God. I say, come to God, and he will help get rid of those things. And sometimes we communicate that the opposite. We, we as uh, Christians and sometimes churches will make someone feel like, I'm never going to be good enough to measure up to be that type of person. And I, I, I cringe. I, I, it hurts when I hear people uh, see that. When they see that about Christians, when they say, you know, I don't feel ever comfortable coming in there because I'm, I'm so messed up. I don't think I can ever be that. Now, some people just simply don't want to give up their wild life. I don't want, I don't want to give up my wild, sinful living. I kind of like that. Um, well, there is a choice you do have to make, and you do have to come under that place where you finally say, you know what, um, I don't want to make the mistake of saying that the Christian life is boring or it's just a bunch of keeping rules and regulations either because I think living a a life with Christ is one of the most fun things you could ever do. And besides just what this world has to offer me, there's also more than this life. There's more to live for than just my own desires and my own pleasures. And I'm trying to live more for eternity than I am just for this life. I hope that's something that you can see too. But I, I just, it's, it's hard when I see people just seeing that Christians can portray that we're better than you or better than someone else or holier than thou attitude. And that is so wrong. But rather we can, we can show a brokenness in our own life. I am not the same person because of what Jesus did in my life. I used to live a wild life and it wasn't fulfilling and now I've come under the leadership, under the control of Jesus that, man, it's, life is so much better. I've learned how to live as a meek person now. I always remember times when uh, 
Uh, I was younger, and my dad and my grandpa would go pheasant hunting. Well, we went pheasant hunting, and my grandpa had trained uh, hunting dogs. If you've ever had a hunting dog before, or if you've ever gone uh, pheasant hunting with a bird dog, um, it takes time. It takes a lot of, Mike kind of knows this about uh, training Betty, about uh, at first, Betty was not so... uh, not so submitted to Mike, right? <laughs> so it's taken a lot of time, a lot of time invested into a dog, like my grandpa used to be really good at it, that he spent time training his dog um, to hunt these pheasant. And so we used to go out in the fields, and uh, they would be so excited, you know, to go hunting. And as soon as they got out, you know, and uh, they had to follow his command, and then they would get on point, and when they got on point, then he could say, okay, get the bird out, you know, because sometimes they would run ahead, uh, but it would wait until we got there where it could get a shot. Um, that takes a lot of training to, for a dog to, because, you know, left on their own, they're just going to flush everything out, and you're, you're a couple hundred yards away, and there's no way you could get a bird. Well, I remember that he taught his dogs um, meekness. He taught them, you know, they were, they were strong. They, they were good at what, you know, hunting these birds or getting them out. But they needed to be under control so they didn't just let themselves go wild. And they waited for their master to, to uh, finally um, allowed to get their prey, so to speak. Now, meekness means to show willingness, it shows a willingness that I am willing, I am allowing, if you will, to come under that control. Come under, I'm submitted under that, that leadership, that authority. Uh, it shows a willingness to maybe disregard some of my own wants and some of my own desires. And, and it's that humility uh, that I come under him and I give up my rights. Doesn't sound very American, does it? <laughs> I give up, but uh, you know we're the land of the free and the home of the brave and and stuff. But um, we have to understand what freedom in Christ really is. What does freedom in Christ represent? I can't describe all of that today, but there's something important to know about freedom. Doesn't freedom does not come without a cost. It doesn't come without a responsibility. We must understand that. It costs someone's life. It costs, you know, costs something for us all to experience freedom in our world. And so Jesus paid the ultimate price for our salvation, for our eternal freedom, if you will. So that I have freedom because it cost him his life for me. God the Father gave the most precious gift that could ever be given so that I can I can live a free life. I can live under his grace now, not just by keeping the law, not just by doing religious things. You might say that he bankrupt heaven for you and me so that uh, we must never take that lightly. I don't know about you, but when my kids were little, my family loved to go to buffets. I, I still kind of do like to go to buffets, but... Um, but I, I, I miss not having like the Golden Corral in Missoula years ago. We had the Golden Corral and, and we'd go there. And it was fun for our kids because they'd just go, go 
get whatever you want, you know. And, and so they're like, yeah, and they would go, and, and I think they went right to the dessert part. But, um, you know, at least we have Hoo Hot and China Buffet. I mean, whew, thank you, God. Whew. You know, it's kind of like a heavenly gluttony, but it's uh, you pay, then you can all eat all that you can uh, until you can't take another bite. Is that... Is that sinful? I don't, I don't know. You're paying for it, right? It's, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's okay. Uh, but can you eat too much? Can you eat too much? And if you eat too much, you're going to pay for it later, uh, right? Heartburn, sick, you know, you name it, everything else. So uh, I'm sure those, those restaurants give you the freedom to eat whatever you want, but... Uh, do you have the strength or the self-control to only take what you need? Hmm. Well, we just wanted to try it, you know. And, but I get it, you know, those places, you know, you see people heaping food over the, and uh, yeah. There's, oh, I got to tell you this story. This was, this was uh, years ago, Joe and I, uh, we, we always went to a Golden Corral nearby us, uh, and this time we go, let's go to the Royal Fork. Remember that? The Royal Fork. And so we said, hey, let's, kids, let's just go early. And we went there. Uh, I think we went during senior hour. <laughs> senior hour. It was like early, maybe like four in the afternoon. We got early there. And uh, the kids, you know, kids were just being kids. But there wasn't a kid in the restaurant. There wasn't, and it was so quiet. And we sat down, and we we're like, kids, don't say anything. Just quiet. You know, we were trying so hard to keep them under control, if you will. And so they were not, we were just like, oh, this is so stressful. This is not like Golden Corral because everything's loud in there, and it's super quiet. And, and all these people were looking at us. We're like, oh, no. I know our kids are messing up. They're, they're saying something, or they're being too loud. And then uh, finally, this, this couple got finished with their meal, and they came over, and we're like, oh, please don't, please don't reprimand us. Please don't. And so they came over to our table, and they're like, we just want to tell you how wonderful your kids are. They are just the best behaved. And we almost just started crying. We are just like, oh, my gosh. Oh, this was so strange. Never go back to the Royal Fork again, <laughs> ever, especially during senior hour. No. Um, and you know what? We were reminded of that last year. Where, where was that? Oh, we were at the bakery. We are at the bakery, and, and uh, we saw this young family that represented us because they had two girls and two boys, and the mom and dad, and they were trying to get their kids to, and, and their kids were doing pretty good, actually. They were, they were well-behaved. I'm like, Jill, remember the Royal Fork? I said, let's go tell them. Let's be that old couple right now. Let's go be the old couple and tell them how good their kids are. And, you, and Jill went over there, and what did she do? Yeah, <laughs> we were the old couple this time, yeah. <laughs> we were just like, yes, uh, I mean, that made our day. So and it ne we never forgot that. So we thought, 
we're going to bless them. Let's bless them with that, that comment because those, I remember how that felt. And it was so fun to be able to do that for someone else. But, you know, that was obviously maybe a forced strength under control, <laughs> trying to get our kids to behave in the, in the restaurant. Um, but thank God they, they, they showed just enough. Showed, they were, you know, showed enough to these other people that were, were checking us out and seeing that. But, um, man, that was stressful. <laughs> we, I don't think we ever went back to Royal Fork after that. But um, we need to come. We can be those type of wild stallions that need to come under that strength, under that uh, restraint, if you will. Learn how God wants to show us something. Wherever you are in your walk with God, is there something he's still trying to show you in meekness? Are you still losing it at times? Are, is there stuff in your life that I'm still going, you know what, I didn't represent that meek in meekness very well. There's still things I need to learn in this, God. Right. So maybe that's something to think about. Secondly, is meekness is understanding the difference between freedom and obedience. Freedom does not mean taking a license to do whatever we want. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 is, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. So... Just because you're free doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want. No. Paul writes that in Galatians. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh to get the best of you. The enemy knows your weakness. He absolutely knows your weakness, yours and my weakness, and that's what he puts before you as a trap. He'll lay that trap out for you. If there's any pretense, is there any duplicity or anything less than genuine in our lives, he will use that to plot our downfall. He will use, try to find ways to snare us. Um, and so I found the greatest test of weakness, you might say like uh, greed or deceptiveness or unresolved sin shows up when I have... Uh, close supervision or when I have no supervision or boundaries at all. But that's where I need to watch my freedom. When, when I can give way to weakness, where I can take license to do that. When we don't have boundaries in our life, that's when um, we don't have accountability in our lives. That's where we can easily fall. We need to, do you build protection in your life? for those areas of weakness? Do you put things in, boundaries in your life so like, I, you know, I know where I am weak, where I have been weak in my past. I would say, don't go there anymore. Stay away from that. Don't open that door saying, you know, I'm good now. I'm good. And we talk about stuff like that in Celebrate Recovery. Just, you learn not to go there anymore. I put those things aside. I'm not going to 
open that door open again anymore. I'm, I'm letting God help me close that and to remain closed. Even though he's now forgiven you, he's given you uh, freedom in that area, we still don't go through that door anymore. It's like you know where you've been in your past. And Satan does too. He knows where you've been in your past. And, he do, and he's going to keep putting that bait out before you. See if you'll take that. Take it. It's not your identity. Your sin issue is not your identity anymore. That's not who you are anymore. That's just your reference point. That's where I used to be. I don't live there anymore. That's not me anymore. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. He has changed me. He, he has made me a child of God. I start to see that now. But I understand the difference in freedom from obedience. He gives you freedom, but he also wants you to continue to obey his word. Continue to follow after him. Don't take that for granted. Freedom does not come cheap. And I'm sure that if anyone wanted us to get out and get a, a wild stallion, it wouldn't be cheap either. <laughs> it wouldn't be cheap and it would take a lot of time and money. Why do you have horses anyway? Does anybody have a horse in here? I, I don't know. Four-wheelers are way cheaper. Four-wheelers. Yeah. You know, my kids, some, my daughters sometimes when they were little wanted a, a horse. I'm like, uh, we need to take a second mortgage out on the house to get a horse. I know some people that have horses and the cost is outrageous. Not just the feed, but the vet bills. I'm like, oh, it takes a, a, a lot, a lot of time. Neither does freedom come cheap. It doesn't come cheap. And I'm sure that if anyone wants us, you know, just to have freedom, we have to understand there is a continuous obedience that I need to do, things that I need to continue to do. He said in 1 Peter 1.18, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. God paid a ransom for you. He paid to save you. There was a cost with that. We have to keep that before us. God the Father paid the greatest price he could pay because of his love that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sin. You know, we, we always, and I always try to say that. I always try to preach about it. I always try to get us to keep that ever before us. The, the blood of Jesus that can, cleanses me, you might say, every day. Every day, I, I want to just recognize the blood of Jesus that washes me and cleanses me, and he changes me. That's the freedom. I don't ever want to take for granted, but God made the exchange in order to give us this precious gift, and we must realize that we are not our own. You might have freedom, but you are paid for with a price. You are not your own. It costs something for you. You were bought with a price. Third is that meekness is giving God that complete control. Like I said about uh, the dog trainer, you're giving complete control. Moses, he was called the most humble or the most meek man that ever lived. Did Moses ever lose it? 
Yeah, he lost it. He lost control. God still recognized him as the most humble and the most meek man that ever lived. And he spent personal time in the tent of meeting with God. On Mount Sinai, he spent personal time on the mountain where God gave him the Ten Commandments. The most meek man ever lived in history. And Moses still messed up. He messed up. And God can use the messed up people. That's a picture that I, I like to see. Is God uses messed up people like me. God used a messed up person like Moses to, to get to that place of, of humility and, and finding out that God uses messed up people for his purposes. But it was when he lost it, that's what kept him from going into the promised land. He could see it from afar, but he said, that's as far as you're going to be able to go because, because you lost it that time. I told you to speak to the rock and you hit it instead. Oh, darn it. But it's a picture that God wants to keep reminding us of a person like Moses. Mo Moses, uh, you know, he failed at different times in his life. But Moses was a man that had strength harnessed. He was brought under the control of God. And that freedom came from being yielded to God. I'm yielded to you. I'm submitted to you. And I want to be led by you. There's even things that he doubted about God when God told him from the burning bush to go and, and lead the people. You're going to be the deliverer. And what did he say? I can't talk. I can't talk. Send someone else, not me. And, and so, you know, this is a different situation, how God made a little bit of an exception and he let Aaron talk for him. But, you know, even when he made that exception for Moses, it actually came with a cost as well. Because God was going to give Moses the words to say, you're going to be the mouthpiece, but Moses doubted that. And so he said, okay, we'll have Aaron speak for you. But Aaron then messed up and made a golden calf. You know, it's just like Aaron was not the perfect guy either. We have to trust that God has the best plan for us, even when we can't see it. When you've ever said, there's no way I could ever do that. No way am I ever going to get up in front of people. And so I used to say that too. No way am I ever going to get up and be a public speaker. I'm never going to do that, or I'm never going to go on a, a mission trip. I'm never going to do this. I can never do that. How many of you say never or can't? There's a lot of can'ts in my life that God canceled and said, yes, you are. And I finally submitted to that. I finally obeyed his call in my life. And I'm like, thank you that I didn't just refuse. We can refuse things when God is saying, yes, you can. I will give you the ability to do that. Yes, you can. That's one word we try to teach our kids is that we don't like the word never and we don't like the word can't. Perkins family, we don't say can't. We try first. Same thing with food, you know. That was a Perkins rule. What's the Perkins rule? What's the Perkins rule, Andrew? Oh. Yes. Can't say you don't like it if you've never tried it. 
And so they tried things, and if they didn't like to eat it, then they didn't have to eat it again, sort of. <laughs> so that's been our rule. If you come to my house, you know, we invite you over, and you, you, know, you want to be part of our family, that's fine. But you can't say you don't like something if you don't try it. That's the Perkins rule. So, right? We've had other people be, join our family, and so they know that. One thing I will say that is um, a sin in my life is mustard, you know. It's one thing I, I know is a sin, and I just stay away from it. So um, I've tried it, and I do not like it. So, yes. So don't try to tempt me with mustard. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. The blessing of meekness, rather. It is God's greatest blessing. It's God's blessing. Those who are meek are trained by the master. He is our shepherd, and we shall not want. His promise to us is that we will inherit the earth, proves that God will not allow his meek ones to end up short, on the short end of the deal. Rather, he will pour out his blessings in your life. In this life, his blessings of freedom is way better than we can ever hope for or dream. And lastly, meekness is a fruit of the Spirit. It's like a fruit of the Spirit because it is. Meekness is the same thing as gentleness. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is what God will produce in your life if you come under His control. I allow Him to have His way with me. I won't say never. I won't say can't. I will let you have your way in my life. I hope that's your prayer. I hope that as we go through these words of Jesus this year, that you will let God speak to your heart and say, God, will you challenge me? Will you help me step out in faith and in boldness? And, and will you produce these qualities in my life, these kingdom qualities such as meekness? Will you start to do that in my life? As I grow closer to you, you will start to develop this fruit in my life. Much like the uh, John 15, remain in me and I in you. You can't, apart from me, you can do nothing. Remain in me, and I will produce fruit in you. Your job is to remain. Your job is to continuously let him be your vine. Remain in the vine every single day. Your faithfulness to commit to follow him every single day, and you wake up one day, and then all of a sudden, boop, there's fruit. Yes, fruit today. And then tomorrow, faithfulness again, faithfulness. Continue in faithfulness, and you start to just change, and people will start to recognize it in you. You start to become that gentle giant. You start to become that person just like, you are a strong person, but you are definitely under control. You don't just blow your top. You actually, you represent well. You're, and that's the power of, of God that does that in us. Left to my own emotions, left to my, I'm a mess. But thank God that he, I don't just lose control all the time. Except if I'm in traffic and, you know, maybe, maybe some things. I don't like. But he's still working on me. I'm a work in progress. 
But happiness is the result of those who yield themselves to God. So be strong and let him control you. Happy are those who are surrendered and put God first in their life. And meekness is learned. It is developed in you. It's taught by the Lord. And as we remain faithful and walk with him, he will develop his qualities in you. And Lord God, I just ask that this may be true of each one here, Lord. We want to come under your control. If we've never done that yet, if we make that first step of following you, we say yes to you, Lord. We recognize that freedom has come with the ultimate price, the ultimate cost. You paid for us all by the blood of Jesus. You hung on the cross because of your love for me. And Lord, I turn from those ways. I turn from my sinful ways. I am a wild stallion without you, Lord. And I need to come under your authority and and your kingdom rule in my life. I ask for your cleansing, your forgiveness, Lord. Lord, if that's a first time for someone here today, then you are welcome. You are welcome into the family of God. He has called us each by name. He calls each and every one of us to submit to him, to come under his love. And it's thankfully it's your kindness, it says, that leads us to repentance. It's your kindness that draws me in. Say, yes, I'm a messed up person. I, am, I want to be submitted to you. I want to be broken before you. And then you say, now I can work with you. God opposes the proud, but it says he gives grace to the humble. Grace to those who are meek. And I thank you for your grace for me today. Thank you for your love and your forgiveness. Each and every day, Lord, I want to walk in that. And let you be shown through my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I hope, uh, I hope you can stay for, for our family feast lunch together. If you don't think you can stay today, we have extra copies of these to just uh, follow along, to read through and see some of the things that we wrote down. Um, There's some reports in there from last year's stuff we would love to share with you. So stick around. And tomorrow night, we start our 10th season of Celebrate Recovery. So thank everyone for all their support over the years, the 10 years that we're starting tomorrow with that. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. And yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I Working all things out You're working all things
Hey guys, Billy here. I'm the media director here at Polson Foursquare, and I'm glad that you guys could join us this morning. If you guys are looking for more information, you guys can go to polsonfoursquare.org. And if you guys enjoyed the sermon, consider subscribing or sharing it with a friend. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we hope that you have a blessed week.